Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Are you or your team performing all possible vendor validations? Do you know which documents have the key data you need to confirm that the vendor you are about to create or update is real? Be sure by downloading the vendor validation reference list. It also has links to all the resources listed. Download at www dot Deborah D E B R A R Richardson R I C H A R D S O N dot com. Did you know that there were states that require you to determine if non-resident withholding is necessary for your vendors prior to their first payment? Keep listening. Welcome to episode 94. Do you need to collect the California 587 or 590 forms when setting up new vendors? So when you are setting up a new vendor, you are most likely aware that the federal income tax forms, the IRS W-9 or one of the various IRS W-8 versions need to be collected. And most of your vendors are aware of this too and will provide you those forms upon request. What may be lesser known are those states that require withholding of income or franchise tax on payments to non-residents for services, not goods, but services rendered in their state. California is one state that may require you to determine whether income tax withholding is required prior to the payment to your new vendor. Now, there are two other states that I'm also aware of that have a similar requirement, and that's Nebraska and Pennsylvania. And if enough people comment on the platform that they're using to listen to the podcast or maybe email me at Deborah at DebraRRichardson.com, I may do a separate blog post uh, podcast on those states as well. But I know California is a big one, so we're going to start with that one. And so we need to talk about the State of California Franchise Tax Board. They do have a website and I'll have that in the show notes, but it has information regarding this withholding requirement. And on that site, it states that payments to non-residents for services performed in California, including rent, royalties, prizes, and other winnings, and non-employee compensation are subject to withholding. 
So when setting up a new vendor that will provide services in the state, one of these two forms may need to be collected. The first one is the Form 587. It is the Non-Resident Withholding Allocation Worksheet. Now this form is to be completed by non-residents and based on their response in the type of payment or the payment type section, withholding may not be required or they may be directed to complete the allocation worksheet to adjust the income subject to withholding. And that allocation worksheet identifies or separates the income based on whether it's within California or outside of California. And then also it's, um, it identifies or separates the goods versus the services. So it could be that completing this uh, income allocation worksheet will eliminate the requirement for uh, withholding since the final calculation can be below the $1,500 threshold. The second form is the Form 590, the Withholding Exemption Certificate, and this form is to be completed by California residents or non-residents for which one of the exemption reasons apply. And the exemption reasons are really based on entity type and or resident status. So if you have a uh, vendor that is located in California, then they would use a withholding exemption certificate or the form 590. They would complete that, select the appropriate um, exemption reason box, and then send that back to you. Now, as of July 2020, which is the taping of this podcast episode, non-resident withholding, if required, is 7 percent from California income that exceeds $1,500 per year. And note that withholding is optional for payments under $1,500. The only thing with that is that I wouldn't necessarily exclude um, withholding. I would take the safe approach versus not doing it because it's optional. Because at the time of vendor setup, which remember you have to determine um, whether the withholding is required, you may know what the PO states or you may know what the invoice is today, but you don't know if they're going to use that vendor in the future. They may not know. So even though the original intent is for the payment not to be uh, over $1,500, the ultimate payments for the entire year, um, that spend could exceed $1,500. And because of that, I would not um, opt for that optional um, uh, payment. I would not make withholding optional for a vendor that is um, that falls into the eligibility for non-resident withholding. Uh, the other thing is don't forget that your company information will need to be entered into the withholding agent section for both forms. And what I've done in the past is we've pre-populated that information um, in advance on the electronic forms before we sent those to the vendors. Um, also, keep in mind that federal, state agencies, and also non-U.S. vendors do not need to complete this form, um, but for the rest of your new vendors, go ahead and send them both forms and then have them submit the correct form for their company.
So now that you know that there is a requirement in the state of California for non-resident withholding, now it's time to determine whether or not your company needs to collect this information or determine that from your vendors. And for that, I say you need to check with your company's tax professional. And your tax professional may review based on where your company is located. For example, if you're located in California versus Florida or New York, or where the services are being performed. And this really needs to be done since additional forms during the vendor setup process can cause additional delays and questions. And so it's just really best to verify that in advance. Um, in addition to that, then you can provide training to your vendor maintenance team and your accounts payable help desk, because I will tell you, and maybe most of you are familiar with this, but any additional changes or any additional forms really just creates additional questions from not only your vendors, but your internal um, employees that actually have the relationships with these vendors, because right, who are the vendors going to complain to? Um, you're going to get a lot of questions on those. And I will tell you from professional experience in collecting the California 587 and 590 forms is the vendors nor the internal employees, they don't know what to do with those forms. They don't know what they're for. They consider them a big hassle. And while they will gladly provide you their IRS W-9 or even their W-8 forms, they could possibly have never heard of or never even seen uh, the California 587 or 590. So there's a lot of uh, training and questions that you're going to get from these forms. And so again, verify, confirm that it's absolutely necessary for your company to collect those forms. And if it is, that's fine. Just make sure you provide training um, to your uh, vendor maintenance and your AP help desk team. Um, that'll keep the team updated. And then also just arm them with the information required to respond to requests um, for those forms. Now, one of the things I always recommend be done is a FAQ uh, document, a frequently asked questions document. Um, and this is a sort of process document, not for your um, uh, internal employees or for your uh, vendors, but for the vendor team and the AP help desk team. And what this will have is it will include uh, cut and paste, uh, answers or responses to specific questions, uh, the most frequently asked questions. And then um, all they have to do is reach for that uh, FAQ document. They can copy and paste the response. And then that way it's additional training for them. It's less um, work that they have to do. And you also ensure that there is a consistent answer in the responses uh, to the questions asked about that, uh, the California 587 and 590 forms. And if you like a template um, of a desktop procedure from which you can create um, this document, a FAQ document, then go ahead and go to my site, uh, DebraRRichardson.com and look under the free resources and you'll see a download of a desktop 
procedure template that you can use to create that document. Now the template is a new vendor ad template, but you can delete the new vendor ad information and just add in the FAQs. And the template is a good starting base because it does include a table of contents that will automatically update as long as you follow the format in the template. And then it also has sections like the purpose of the document, um, who has access, what access is required um, for the functions of the document, which is good because it may um, show you that if someone wants access to this document that they need access to, I don't know, the help desk drive that is limited or restricted. So those types of things are a good starting point for your FAQ document. And then for your vendors and your internal employees or team members that have relationships with the vendors, I would also have uh, a document for them or at least include the requirement for the 587 or the 590 forms in your um, vendor setup policy, vendor setup and maintenance policy, or your AP policy, wherever you note what the requirements are for vendor setup, make sure you include that and then for um, the internals um, those vendor setup requirements the policies just make sure they're somewhere on the intranet where they can uh, access them uh, that way it'll cut down on some of the costs to your uh, AP help desk they're still not going to like it um, but if you I, let them know in advance that it's required um, identify why it's required um, it'll be a much easier time and much less activity to your uh, help desk and vendor team. So thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 94th episode of the Putting the AP and Happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.